Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I was just praying during the week and this word came to me. I wasn't down to preach. and I felt like when I got it, I felt like, oh, I think someone might ask me to preach this week. And surely the next day, Pastor Julie said, hey, can you preach on Sunday? So I feel like it's a word from God. We'll see how we go, see what you think about it. But uh, hopefully uh, I'm believing it's going to impact your world and uh, help you in this journey that you're on in uh, knowing Jesus, living a great life reaching other people with the, with the same message that you've been reached with. So why don't we just pray that God would speak to us. God, we thank you right now. God, for your presence in your church. God, for your presence in our life. God, for all the blessings that we've seen this week, for all the answered prayers. God, we, we, we trust you with the unanswered ones for now. But God, we're here in your presence. God, we're, we're here for you, to hear from you, to encounter you to be transformed by you, to be empowered by you, God. And we pray that your word would speak to us this morning, God, that you would, uh, we open our hearts right now. And right where you are, just shake off every thought from the week. There's no, uh, no space for fear when faith is about to come into your heart. There's no space for unbelief. There's no space for doubt. There's no space for chaos and lack of peace, anxiety. Because when the word of God is spoken, then faith comes. And so, God, we put aside everything that would hinder us hearing your word this morning. God, we pray our hearts would be, be ones that are a great soil, Father, ready, hungry, humble, desperate for you to speak, God. And Lord, as your word goes forth, may it do what it is called to do, God, and, and, uh, and, and have its influence in our life. We honor, our, honor you, God, and we offer our heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Why don't you uh, grab a seat? Thank you, band. How good is the band? I tell you what, we are spoilt every week by these guys. And um, no, but thank you so much, band. Alrighty, well, uh, Pastor Phil spoke to us last week on uh, our theme of eyes wide open and, and prophetically about what God is doing in our midst, in our time, and the great harvest that people across the planet are believing for and feeling and, and uh, you know, believing that God is going to pour out in our midst. And uh, who feels that? Who feels a sense of excitement about people coming to Christ? Any hands? Do we see any? Is there, okay, cool. Some courtesy hands there. Thank you for those. Some passionate hands. Thank you for those as well. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be something you're convinced of, that God wants to save souls. He wants lost people to come into relationship with Him. Uh, Luke talks about, the book of Luke talks about the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. And, uh, you know, we're on the brink of something great and we're experiencing something powerful. It's not like a future thing. We're in it and we're going to keep going in it. And so we need to just get uh, that on the inside of us, I feel. And so Pastor Phil spoke prophetically and, and really just stirred us up and said, guys, this is what God wants to do. And uh, rattled us up, and that was wonderful. Gave us a big picture. And now, I sort of, this week, I feel that 
I want to I help us with where we are right now. So if we've got a multitude coming into the kingdom all across the world, what does that look like at C3 Tugra? But more importantly, what does it look like for you in your busy life, in your, in your world, with your neighbors, with your family? What does that look like for you? And so I want to get a little bit practical uh, with you. And I want to challenge you as well. I hope that's okay. I like to do that. Um, but let's just get convinced on something for a moment, that, that God has called us to reach lost people. And uh, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, well, let me just tell you that the reason we want other people to know about Jesus is because he has transformed our life. Uh, the gospel is good news. There's a lot of bad news out in the world, but it's good news. And we believe we've found something so good that we don't want to keep to ourselves, that we want other people to know. So I'm going to be talking about uh, us spreading the good news. And so let's just read from uh, John 4 this morning really quickly. I've got a few scriptures this morning we're going to have a look at, but it says this. Jesus' background is this, is uh, the woman at the well. If you know the story, Jesus' disciples, he was with his disciples. They went off to get some food. He then came across this lady and just spoke into her world, had words of knowledge and, and transformed her life, just reached a one-on-one. It's like you being with your neighbor and you just get a word and you speak and that transforms their life. Jesus was just doing everyday life. He wasn't at an event. He wasn't at a crusade. He wasn't at some you know, guest speaker. He was just walking along in life, met a person, spoke into their world and transformed their life. And so he did that, and then his disciples came back with the food. And they said, mean, uh, and it says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. <laughs> I think that's just powerful. They're off looking at the natural, and he's doing incredible spiritual things, going, Guys, I've got food you don't even know about. It's not that bread and that fish and whatever else you got from the market. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? Still don't get it. And he says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let me just change that one. And finish his work. Don't, say, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And so Jesus is saying, the, the thing in my life, you know, you've got your food, but the thing that energizes my life, the thing that stirs me up, the thing that brings me satisfaction is actually to reach lost people. It's actually to transform lives. I've come for that purpose. And you can have your natural things, but I'm telling you that my food, what drives me in my world is to actually reach into the lives of other people and, you know, with the good news of, well, not Christ in his case, but for our case, the good news of Christ. Uh, and so, you know, I, I believe that that is the call for Christians all around the world that the thing that should drive us, the thing that should energize us is doing the work of God, not just living for self, not just living our routine life and not making any influence for him, but to actually reach out into people's lives and see a difference made. Um, if you look at these two scriptures, that, uh, who is it? I think it's uh, Steve Murrell. He's got a church of 50,000 people in uh, Manila. He wrote a book called Wiki Church. He says there's three components to being a disciple of Jesus. Now, let me just say this, that, I, that you are a disciple of Jesus. Being a disciple and being a Christian are the same things. They should be, at least. Uh, there's no, it's not like Christianity is entry point, you know, like your entry level car, and then you've, you, know, you can upgrade to the discipleship if you want. No, no, no. When the first time that Christian was used in the Bible, it said it, when it was in Antioch when the, when the disciples were first called Christians. So there's this thing of discipleship 
that we're disciples of Jesus. We're not just church attenders, we're not just Christians, but we are disciples of him. Steve Morrill says there's three key things that a disciple does. They follow Jesus, they fellowship with one another, and they fish for people. And so let's just have a look at this. Uh, Matthew 4 uh, tells of the first disciples ever made, which I think is a great blueprint. He says, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me. There it is, following Jesus, and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once. That's a whole new ball game. There's some things we've got to leave behind when we follow Jesus. But, but he said, okay, you know, no, you're doing that, that's all right, but come and follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. So a disciple, one of the key things that a disciple does is fish for people and to, to, to make other disciples. Uh, Matthew 28, he spoke to his disciples, and we know this scripture, but it's good to refresh it, that the call for um, all disciples, uh, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples, go. Some people don't even get it past the go. We just stay. We just stay put. We don't do anything. We don't go anywhere. And we, you know, that's as far as, you know, they stop about there. Therefore, okay, therefore, that's about as much fruit of the Great Commission as a lot of Christians see. Go, that's difficult. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. Well, that's a whole other ball game. But as I've said in a few weeks ago, that that is not a call for leaders. It's not a call for pastors. It's not even a call just for connect group leaders, but it is a, it is a call to all Christians that we should be bearing fruit and making disciples. That's what this month is about, that we feel a harvest coming in. We need people to be raised up to, that actually have a heart and a willingness and availability to make other disciples. Um, so I don't know how well you do that right now. I think if, you know, if I was just to ask a hard question for the moment, you don't, don't put your hands up or answer, it's okay, but... You know, who was the last person you brought to church? Who was the last person you shared something with, um, just anything about your Christian faith, let alone the gospel and, and what Jesus did for them? Just, when was the last time you said to someone, what, what, when they said, what did you do on the weekend? When was the last time you said, I went to church? Um, how would you rate yourself out of 10? Sorry, there's a bit of silence around here, but I'll just go on here for a second. How would you rate yourself out of 10 as a disciple maker? someone that reaches into people's world. If 10 is like you're Jesus or Pastor Phil, uh, and zero, zero is, well, you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. And you know, where would you be on that? How effective are you? How, how much do you get caught up in your week to week? How do you get so caught on where you're going from moment to moment that you don't look around the people that are there? How many times do you walk past your neighbors, say hi at the most, but never stop to engage their world? This is the sort of thing we're, that we're talking about in our, in our culture that we have to... It's going to take a revolution to get the church into the, the, the whole church into the mindset. Not just we talk about seeing people coming to Christ, Central Coast for Christ, and we think, well, maybe Pastor Phil will bring some people this week. You know, we just we somehow we somehow think that the, the, we get excited about bring, people coming to Christ one week. Something magically would happen in that week without us doing anything, and the next week the church is going to be filled. And if we don't believe that, then it's at least what we show God, we think, by our actions. So anyway, sorry about that. Just um, thought I'd go there. So, so we need to be people that reach people. And, um, and, and the, the way that we reach people, one, I, the thing that I think is the, the key factor in us reaching people is love, that we have to love people. Uh, so let's have a look at this. I'll just write love there. 
so you know what I'm talking about. Mark 12, 29 to 31, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That is fantastic. A lot of Christians do that really well. Uh, The second is equally, I didn't even notice that, equally as important, not secondly important. So the second, it's not like the second is a little bit less, but the second most important, the second is equally as important. As equal as loving God is the second one. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. It's very easy to talk about loving people. Love is a very uh, interesting word where we get pretty excited about, you know, oh, love, love's wonderful. I, I had a word, I was in college, and Fergus McIntyre, who is a, uh, one of the prophets from C3 from the 90s and early 2000s, he was doing a prophetic class with us. And he prophesied over everyone, and he came to me, and he was saying a few things, and, and then he said, ah, that's it, I've got it. He said, this is the word of God for you. Love God and love people. And I was like, that's awesome. Usually I'd be like, is that all? That's, you know, what about the amazing, amazing stuff? But for me in that season, his word for me was love God and love people. Do you know why? Because I didn't love people. At all. I didn't. And, and um, you know, if you ask my mate from school, he'd say, he would remember me at high school being the guy that hated everyone. And he would say, oh, what about this person? Oh, that person's an idiot. Oh, that person, oh, they're this, they're that. Very, very quick to judge people. Very quick to, you know, you'd have to prove yourself a lot to me for me to think you're a noble person and an honoring person and someone worthy of being a close friend. And, uh, and so I didn't really love people. And, and I suspect, but that there's, in our society, there's a few people like that. At least maybe not to that degree, but at least somewhat like that. Uh, people that, that, can't really love people in the true sense, not just have a feeling of liking them, not just having a positive emotion towards them, but loving them, and that is a different ball game. And I think some of the, the reason that, uh, that people struggle with loving people is, and I want to talk about that, if loving people is the, the key to reaching people, I want to talk about one key hindrance this morning that I think stops us from loving people and reaching people, and that is, you might have seen at the beginning, um, insecurity. And I think the problem that we have with loving people is that a lot of people are loving their neighbor as their self, as they love themselves. I think that's the problem. And um, that we actually are obeying the biblical command of loving people as we love ourselves. And... So, so more than worrying about loving people, well, we do have to do that, and we don't wait till we love ourselves fully, but, you know, we don't just wait, but, but there is a key thing on the inside of us that we need to get a love and a healthy self-identity on the inside of us so that we can love people as God has called us to do. Because, you know, a whole bunch of hurt people, not just here, like in the world, look around the world, hurt people doing life together, has been a pretty bad formula for many years, and, and, it, and it's difficult. And so we, we come, we try and do this thing called church and community um, without maybe letting God tweak some things on the inside of us so that we're happier about who we are. And then we expect everything to go all right, but really we're just trying to figure it all out. You know, like right here is an absolute mess. I hate to tell you that. We are a mess. We're all a mess. We're hurt. We've, we've had stuff, but we're trying to get along, and, we're, and we do it really well in this church. But... If we're going to extend our things, it's not just the people that are easy to love that we need to love. Because, you know, we might believe that, you know, people like 
uh, Jeremy and Misha. Where are they? they oh, I saw it. Anyway, I saw him. So, oh, there, yeah, Misha. And, and, yeah, there we go. There he is. You know, how easy, oh, it's so easy to love those guys. I'm like, oh, they joined the church. I'm like, Jeremy, what a guy. I love that guy. I just met him the first time. I was like, you're a great guy. Not everyone's as easy to love as Jeremy. Uh, but God doesn't say love, you know, some of your neighbors as yourself or, you know, whatever. He says love, ev- you know, everybody. And so we've got to, as we grow, there's going to be more and more people that may not be your personality. And that's not that anyone that, maybe there's people that I wouldn't naturally get along with, but it's not their fault, it's my personality. And there's all these things, but we don't naturally get along with everyone. We have to work at love. We have to work at, at accepting people into our worlds. It's, a, it's not something that just comes easily all the time. And so that's what I want to encourage you in this morning, is that we need to work on, allow God to, to make us secure. Because I think insecurity is one of the biggest epidemics of our society. I would say, uh, I mean, everyone's insecure in some ways. Everyone has insecurities, right? But we need to get to a point where it doesn't significantly affect our, our happiness, our relationships, our quality of life. And I think the amount of people that it actually has significant effect on their world is, is very high in our, in our culture, if you look around. And so I want to just touch for a moment on, on a few things about identity uh, look at how it stops us from reaching people, and then I uh, see what God says about it. So, I've been reading a, a, a book. If you want to read more on this stuff, then Josh McDowell has a great book. It's called uh, "Seeing Yourself as God Sees You." Seeing yourself as God sees you. If you want to write that down, I'd suggest to order it in and read it. It's brilliant on this stuff. And he says this that that our self identity is based on three areas. So I'm just going to do a little teachy thing, and then. Uh, look at some points. Three areas. Acceptance, number one. Questions like, am I accepted? So this is stuff that we need to feel on the inside of us to operate as uh, healthy, happy humans. Um, you know, am I accepted by someone? Uh, am I lovable? Am I wanted? Am I desired? And, you know, this is, you know, youth particularly struggle with this one, don't they? That's why there's young girls and guys just wanting to be to be wanted, wanting to be accepted, wanting to be in and, and doing what they can to feel that. Um, am I, am I, do I have value? Am I valuable? Do I have worth? Am I important? Am I significant? We need to feel like this. No one wants to feel like they have no value. In fact, when people rob us of our value, that's when it hurts us. Um, competence. Do I have what it takes? This was a big one for me not long ago. Do I have what it takes? I've got all these dreams and desires, but do I, do I, really? Do I have what it takes? I don't really know. Um, can I do it? Can I be successful? Do I have a purpose? Do I have something to offer this world? Do I have something to offer other people? And um, to have a healthy self-image, all those questions that I was just talking about, we need to have those answered on the inside of us by God. Yep. By God. Yeah. We need to, and he's the only one that we can get those answers from. Um, someone that is, you know, maybe insecure, I don't think has these answers answered on the inside by God. Someone who is a little bit unstable, not great self, you know, self-image, self-esteem, they don't have these answers, they haven't heard from God the answers to these questions. And so for that, for that reason, they're on this, this treadmill, this constant uh, journey, uh, tiresome journey of trying to have these questions answered by someone else. Because if we, we need them answered, if God doesn't tell them to us, we're going to look to other people for the answers. 
We're going to be asking other people, do you think I'm valuable? Do you think I can do it? Do you, do you think I'm worthy? Do you want me? Do you love me? Whereas all those things need to come from God. And I'll tell you what, there's some great answers in the Word of God that have already been spoken over our life, but that we need to find and hunt down and hear for ourselves. So it's not just a word, a Logos word, just a in the word, but it's a Rima word, it's a now word, it's a God speaking to us and revealing it um, to us. And so the problem is this, we, there's, there's people all around our world trying to find their value, trying to find their acceptance from other people. The problem is when we try and find our acceptance from other people and our value from other people, other hurt people, we end up getting more hurt. Because in fact it was people in the first place that probably caused the damage on the inside of us and on our identity, that took the value from us, that took the acceptance from us, that took the comment, says, you can't do it, that, that said, you know, you don't have what it takes, that said, oh, I don't like you, you're, you're this, you look like that, and you're this, I don't like that. It was people in the first place that took it from us. And so, God, is this making sense? And so God is, and so God is, is trying desperately to, to speak those answers to us rather than us trying to find it from someone else. Um, you know, for, there might be a whole bunch of different types of people in here this morning. Maybe, you know, maybe you are, there's, there's probably a few of you that have got a pretty good self-image. Uh, there's probably a whole bunch that don't. And maybe it was, for you, maybe it was your parents. You know, it's different for everyone. What caused this sense of lack of value on the inside of us? It's, um, maybe it was your parents that said, you know, you're good for nothing, so-and-so, and maybe you're abandoned, maybe, you know, absent father, you know, all types of stuff. Josh goes into these stuff in his book just in depth. Um, maybe it was your peers uh, at school. Maybe you, you, you weren't popular. People, uh, you know, teased you for what you looked like or what you did. And, and for me, that was a big one for me. I, I, ne- I, didn't, I didn't get drunk at high school and, and I didn't like doing the things that people did. And so I sort of felt a bit on the out because I was just a good kid, you know, just a young kid, just, you know, I don't want to do that, don't want to do that, I want to play cricket and, you know, whatever. I was pretty young for my age. And so that, for me, a, a bit of rejection around that sort of thing. I wasn't the, the coolest person or best looking person and uh, I know you probably find that hard to believe but um, <laughs> but you know maybe it was your uh, teachers maybe your teachers told you you know you, you don't have what you know you're useless you can't even read this word you, you know you're left-handed you should be right-handed whatever it is I don't know but but somewhere in our you know hurt people hurt people and rejected people reject people and so there's stuff that happens in our world that 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 takes that value away from us that causes us to try and find it in all the wrong places. Um, some of those, I don't know if I put this on a slide, let's see. No, I haven't. Cool. So some of those things, that the three key areas I think that people try and build the, these, get these answers from is their appearance. It's a big one. I mean, you see people at the gym. Uh, really, I think if you looked at a gym, most people would not be there for fitness as the key motivation. A lot of people, at least. Some people, at the absolute very least. That, because, because I'm telling you, getting huge without building cardio and, and building your fitness does nothing for your fitness. Makes you feel good about yourself, maybe. Um, but you're there, you know, people saying, if you look at me, if I'm fit, if I'm, you know, girl magazines and girls, you know, if I look like this, then I will be valued. Then someone will say, I want you. Then someone will say, you're desirable. Then someone will say, you're lovable. Um, so, so our appearance, we're trying to, to prove ourselves. Um, our performance, what we do, how many people are working, 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 
say that maybe if I get success in this area, then I'll have value. Maybe if I'm earning all this money, then I'll have value. If I'm working overtime, then my bosses will, will appreciate me and think that I'm a significant contribution to my organization. Working, 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 what I perform. Oh, if I, if I win the race, if I do the best at this, if I preach the best message, if I, you know, whatever it is, then maybe I'll feel good about myself. Performance is another key area where we're trying to have those questions answered by us. And status is another one. You know, coming to church and I want Pastor Phil and Julie to talk to me. I, you know, because why, why? Because you genuinely want them to talk to you or is it because you want the person that's in charge to talk to you so you feel like you're related to the most significant person. You feel good about yourself because they looked at you and they value you. Uh, Pastor Phil and Julie can't give you your, you know, your value and your acceptance and, and that they can encourage, but they can't give it to you on the inside to, to make it affirmed in you. And so all these, these areas, um, and there's nothing wrong with, with being fit. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with, with hanging around big people to, to stretch you and enlarge you. But with, when the motivation is to have the answers of your identity answered for you, the questions of your identity answered for you, then there's a problem with it. Is that okay? Is that making sense so far? Um, and so, so God has spoken over your life already the answers to those questions. And unfortunately, I'm not going to get too much time to actually uh, tell you what they are. I want to start you on a bit of a journey today because even me saying a few words isn't going to shift some of the identity stuff that's going on on the inside of you. It can start a journey for you, but it's by no means, you know, it took time to, to take away your value. It's going to take time for God to restore it to you. So you've got to it's got to be something you're after. It's got to be something you're chasing for. It's got to be something you're open for, that you want to have those questions answered by God. Right. And so I want to get to, uh, okay, so if that being the case, we're, we're looking, we, we need to get to God for our, for our identity. We, we can't look at other people. Other people aren't giving it to us. Um, we can't, you know, whatever, everything I've just said. Then how does that affect the, our ability to, to harvest, to reach people? What, does this, what effect does this have on us as we are going to do what I said in the first part, make disciples of people? It has a bigger effect than you think, a bigger effect than you think from my experience. Um, first one is this. So let me just tell you a few things here. First one is this. How does insecurity hinder us from being effective harvesters? It causes us to avoid rather than approach. Um, because those people who have been uh, rejected in the past have a constant expectation of rejection in the future. When I got that word uh, from Fergus McIntyre, I was in a point, as I said, I was, I was very insecure. And God's been working on it in me in probably the past five years, really. Now, I'm not arrived, but I've definitely got significant victory. Um, but I was just put in charge of connect groups of this church, and I found it difficult I don't know if you know, some of you might find this ridiculous, others might relate. I found it very difficult to say hi to a new person after church. Very difficult. For me, it wasn't like, you know, say, go and you know, speak to the new person after church. It wasn't like, you know, that's easy for me, I just can't be bothered. It's, it's I'm scared of going up to that person and saying hi. Because I can just, because I expected that they would go, oh, who are you? I don't want to talk to you. Of course, there was, it was a rejection thing on my life. That, that actually walking up to someone, all these thoughts, oh, they're not going to like me, they're going to 
They're going to hate me. They're going to reject me too. They, you know, wasn't cool at school. I'm not going to be cool now. People don't want to talk to me. And so it, ha- it was like the most diligent stepping out of myself, psych myself up. This is not what I do now. I, can, I love meeting new people. But back then it was like, all right, Garth, there's that new person. <laughs> Come on. You can do it. doesn't matter what they think. Yeah, it's all good. You can do it. Walk up. How you going? It's just stepping totally out of myself to do that. And, and, we need, and, and so, so this loving people thing is not an, just an easy thing for some people. It's not, so we just say, oh, let's go love people. There's a whole bunch of things on the inside that stop us from wanting to do that. You know, maybe you, why don't you share the gospel with your friends? Is it because you think they'll reject you? You think, oh, if I say this, then they're going to think this of me. If you've got a secure identity, that's not going to concern you. It's not going to concern you. Because you'll go, well, guess what? If they reject me, then it doesn't mean that I'm rejected. doesn't mean I have no value. doesn't mean I'm not wanted, because all that God has already told me that I am. But, but so you can say what you want. I can tell you that's why I haven't witnessed a lot in, in past years. Because, oh, my friends, they might laugh at me, and oh, I'll feel really bad, they'll reject me. We've got to get past that. If we have an identity that is secure, we'll be able to reach out. And that person will be able to say, well, you're an idiot, church sucks, and God this, and whatever. It's cool, man, whatever, but, you know, you're awesome, and, and I'm good with that, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm me, and it's all good, you, you know, whatever you think, just, it's all good. Um, so, a couple of scriptures, Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not neglect, God wants us to be in community, deep relationship. I'm not just talking about a surface emotional feeling called love. I'm talking about a push past the offense, push past the weakness, push past the, all the stuff that, that makes you just cringe about a person and with the love of Christ go, come on, I'm going to connect with you. And that's what this next scripture says, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul right? we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, we didn't just preach to you, but we gave you our lives. Would you let someone into your life? Would you care for another young Christian? Would you run a connect group? Would you get to a connect group and bring other people along? Would you run a connect group with, with, with having some people in there that you might not really naturally love, but get the love of Christ on the inside of you, get secure on the inside, and actually step out and make a disciple of that person? Would you do that? Because at the moment, you know, it's probably not happening right across the board, and that's a point that we want to get to. Um, the second thing, so second thing I think it does for us is this, it causes us to criticize rather than celebrate. Criticize rather than celebrate. Um, insecure people often compare themselves to someone else. Uh, we, you know, we, I can't say we now was and, and journey there, but they, um, you know, say, well, if I compare myself to that person, if, if I measure up all right, then I'll feel good. If I don't, then I'll feel bad. And that causes two things. The first thing it does is it causes us to tear people down rather than build them up. So if you're in it, if you, if you, if you, because if you come across someone and they're a threat to you, then you'll want to make them lower than you because you don't feel good about yourself if they're succeeding in an area you're not. Uh, if they're lower than you, you want to keep them that way yeah, and you want to continue to feel good about yourself. And you'll see all over, you know, maybe you've encountered, maybe I'm the only person who's encountered this, but uh, I see people all, all the time that just want love to tear people down. Uh, tall poppy syndrome, Australia, that whole factor. Um, but, you know, but, but it's totally opposite to what the Bible says. 
Thessalonians 5.11 says, so encourage one another, build each other up. Hopefully just as we are already doing. It says to encourage each other. We need to be people that just believe in other people, to celebrate them, to celebrate them. Second thing it does if we, when we compare ourselves to each other, it, um, it creates a, a hierarchy in relationship. So it's like some people are important, other people aren't. I might be somewhere in the middle and I want to get to here. And so it's like, you know, if, so if we compare and we're like, oh, that person's got this and that, I either want to tear them down or I want to try and get around them so I can be like that as well. And it makes a person that maybe is a little bit different to you, oh, I can't associate with that person. So you're going to reach the people that you like or you're going to reach everyone? You're going to make disciples of all nations. And, if, and so if we can't relate to all people then, and, and realize that all people have the same value for the same reason. This is what happened for me. When God showed me that my value came from the fact that he created me in the image of God, that, he, that, that I had value enough that he would send his son to die for me. I didn't just gain value when he died for me. I had value and so he died for me. When I realized that the value of a human being comes just because they were created by the most incredible creator, that made me go, well, that means that everyone else has that same worth, God. And he's like, exactly. It's like, oh, so I don't need to, so my worth doesn't depend on someone else. It's just me, Garth. I'm the only factor in this, is that you created me. And so when we see that, then we can embrace all people. Then we're reaching out to people that seemingly have more success than us, we're reaching out to people that seemingly have less success than us. And not out of any other motivation than we're celebrating them. We're believing in them. We're going, you guys are amazing. You know, you might be struggling a little bit now, but we believe in you. We're going to celebrate you. You know, just because you're doing better than me at the moment, I'm going to, I'm going to say, well done. And, it, and it's hardest to celebrate people who are doing the thing that's the same as you. Right? So, it's, uh, you know, if, if, if you're a preacher and someone else is preaching, it's hard to celebrate their success when you're insecure. If you're running a great business and someone else is running the same kind of business, better than you, it's hard to celebrate their success. We need to be just so secure in our own journey that we're celebrating every single person that we come across. And Romans 15 says here, and, and I'm on my last point, surely, therefore accept one another just as Christ accepted you. It doesn't say accept one another as they accept you. Because if you accept someone as they accept you, they might have rejected you, and then you will reject them. But Christ accepts us unconditionally. There's no favoritism, it says. There is no Jew or Gentile. There is no male or female, no you know, slave or free, but all are the same in Christ. That is how we need to accept one another. Um, and lastly... It causes us to be, be severe rather than soft. Severe rather than soft. You know, as I said before, in human interaction, it's, it's very normal for us to feel like someone has taken something from us. When someone, when someone criticizes us or they reject us, it feels as if they rob us of our value. That's what my experience has been. 90% of the time, something someone says that makes us feel that way, they didn't intend that, but it's already, the insecurities already inside us make us feel that way. But sometimes people hurt us. They say things that aren't nice, from the, from the schoolyard to, to adult life, you know, from the names of a schoolyard to, to whatever, that, that people say stuff. And so when we, when we, when we see that, being, being insecure makes us quick to judge 
quick to be harsh, quick to, to take our revenge. Oh, you made me feel that way. Well, I'm going to make you feel that way. And, and um, you know, maybe, oh, you stuffed up. Well, yeah, you stuffed up and, you know, whatever. And, and we're being we're severe. We're not, we're not soft-hearted towards people. It causes us to be hard and, and point fingers and, and tear down and, and all those things. You know, the, I'll just, the last story I'll, I'll tell is, is Jonah. I don't know, I think you know the story of Jonah. God said, go to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. He said, God, I'm not going to Nineveh. And uh, because his people had been hurt by the people at Nineveh. The Assyrians were terrible people. They were evil. They did some of the worst stuff going around. And Jonah, and, and Jonah didn't want to go to those people. He'd been hurt. He'd had something taken from him. He'd had value stolen. And, and when Nineveh repented and God said, I'm going to forgive them, this was Jonah's reply. He said, this change of, it says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say, Lord, before I left home that you would do this? You'd forgive them. I knew you would forgive them. That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. That's why he didn't want to preach the good news to them. He wasn't scared. He goes, I don't want these people to get saved. Can you believe for the people in your life that have wronged you to get saved? Can you believe for that? Or, or, do you just want, or do you just want the good people that have been nice to you to get saved? The most secure prayer in the Bible is Jesus when he said, Jesus, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He didn't try and take his own revenge. He didn't try and prove that he was this and that. He just said, I am who I am. I know who my Father is. It's all good. And, and we need to be able to, to extend the same grace, the same softness to all types of people that are coming in. Um, couple of scriptures on that. James 1, 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must, be, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And the very Lord's Prayer, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't yield us to temptation. Once we get secure, we've got no reason to be harsh to someone. We've got nothing to prove. We've got nothing to defend. We can just be comfortable with who we are. They can say what they want. doesn't take our value from us because it can't. It can't. God has already spoken. Why don't we just stand up this morning? Let me just show you these scriptures as you're standing. It is your, it is God's heart and His passion that you are just so happy with yourself. He said, to, he said over Jesus, He said, This is my son whom I love. But then He went further and He said, Whom I'm well pleased. God doesn't just love you because He has to, He's well pleased. He likes you. And we need to get to the point where we can feel that way about ourselves. And then when we feel that way about ourselves, we'll feel that way about others. Um, but no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall show to be in the wrong. This peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Uh, Ephesians 3.17, May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make His permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. God wants your heart, your identity, your life to be founded securely on His love alone, on what He says about you. And uh, there's a whole bunch of things that He says about you that you're accepted, 
in the beloved, that, that, you have, that you're more valuable than a sparrow, that, you're, that you have such an intrinsic value, that you, that you have the power of the Holy Spirit so that you are competent to do anything that He calls you to do. You have what it takes. He, he's spoken all these things over you, but, I, but I, I want you to go on a journey of finding those things out for yourself. And how do you do it? Prayer. Let Him show you the, the source of what happened on the inside. What was it that made you feel this way? You know, let Him heal you from that. The Scriptures, that's the key thing. Once you, once you know what happened, you need to get the Scriptures and hear what God says about you. Other books that people have written and learned from. And hang around encouraging people, because although they can't give you your value, they can definitely help you in the right direction. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.